It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where a Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. We're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. It is time for Faith and Life to Connect on Rise FM. This is the session, and I'm Scott here with Tom from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. All right, time to wrap up Love Month. That's right. Yes. This will be the end of it, and we're going to wrap up today our top 10 marriage myths. And if you missed the first ones, well, they are available. You can always catch up on podcasts and on the session at the podcast network at risefmohio.com. We will recap, and then we'll dive into the final right mm-hmm. after we dive into God's Word, Tom. And let's do this, Scott. Out of Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And you've you've been married to her for hundreds of years. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Hundreds of years. And she has been so awesome. Uh, God had some practice creating the helper before we came along. And so he really knocked himself out with this one. He, he hit this one out of the park. He, he, did, he did his thing with that. She's pretty incredible. And we have celebrated anniversary. Yes. We have celebrated both birthdays now. Yes. Okay, good. And right. cruised. You didn't, and you didn't forget any of them? No, no. Okay. Yes. So you got everything done. Okay. Yeah. I, I'd hate for you to be up here and be in the doghouse. That's true. <laughs> Hallmark has definitely been an ally of mine since our anniversary is on Valentine's Day. That's, That's exactly right. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about the top 10 marriage myths. And last week we covered the idea that healthy marriages come naturally. Having a con- conflict is a sign your marriage has crashed. Being married will automatically bring happiness to sad life. Your sex life will automatically get boring once you get married, and your spouse should be able to accept all of you without any need to change. (laughs) So you want to hear those myths again? They're on the podcast network at risefmohio.com. Today we dive into number six, your marriage gives you a sense of purpose and fulfillment. (laughs) Right. If that's the only fulfillment and purpose that you will see in life, then you're going to be setting yourself up for danger. What and setting yourself up for failure. Exactly. So if, if this is your idea of marriage, you may want to take a break and reassess what you have. Take a look at what you're really thinking here. God has a plan for all of us, and marriage certainly can be part of it, but he still has a plan for our lives. I was just reading in John, the Gospel of John, recently, where disciples said to Jesus, you might want to eat. And Jesus' response was, I have nourishment that you have no idea what it is. And he said, my nourishment comes from my Father in heaven. Not only do I receive nourishment from him, but as I do his will, as I do his will, I am nourished. So not only do we want to take in from our God, but and 
experience marriage, but we also want to do what he's called us to. And we're not going to sit on the couch all day eating bonbons and watching TV and have marriage. No. It'd be ice cream anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to circle back to something, Tom, because um, I, I, I kind of felt like, feel like I need to say, don't hear what we're not saying. Right. We are not saying that your marriage won't be fulfillment to you. Right. Your marriage is a part of being fulfilled. Right. Because God made us for a relationship. I agree. But there are other things in your life that can give you fulfillment. Well, that's true. And so when we say only, meaning that's that's my whole existence is to be married, it's uh, to be a good spouse, there's nothing wrong with that. But however, there's more that our God likely has called you to. And we want to be aware of that. He might have, you know, something that you're designed to do that you was going to be very fulfilling and fruitful, and you want to do that. All right, so moving on to number seven. Now, you labeled this one. I have it in all caps, underlined about a half a dozen times <laughs> as George. As a myth. A myth, Number yes. seven, living together before marriage guarantees a better experience after the wedding. This is really a myth. It's like, well, that'll get better after we get married. Oh, really? <laughs> See, this sounds just like a lie straight from the pit of hell. It is, yeah. And so when it isn't, I'm shattered and, you know, what we're done and, you know, turn the lights out, the party's over. <laughs> yeah, no. So surprisingly, there are no statistics, Scott, that proves that if we get married, it's going to be a better experience after the wedding. No, what happens is when we're married, it actually exposes some of the issues on a greater level. I think I remember in the past giving a word picture like if you kind of half sand a rust spot on a car and then you paint it, that rust spot looks horrible if you didn't get it all out. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what will happen with marriage is that spot or whatever that issue was before we get married, the wedding's kind of like the paint and it'll illuminate it in a way that is so strong. You're like, what? It's still going to bubble up. So, yeah, I, I find it interesting when you said there are no statistics to prove that living together before marriage results in a better marriage. Yeah, and in fact, as we look at some of the other myths, we're going to see it go the other direction. It, yeah, the exact opposite. In fact, I think you we have shared statistics before that it, there is actually a bigger percentage chance of a marriage not working if you live together beforehand. That's right. In some research would say seven marriages in 10, the relationships either never make it to the altar or when they do, they don't end well. Quick Just, rabbit hole. Go ahead. Go for it. Why? Oh, good. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. I got him wound up. Sorry uh, yes. about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, there are two off the top of my head potential landmines that couples will step on. One is you may trigger a past trigger that explodes in, around your very eyes. And what I mean by that is your person you're living with, if they had a bad experience in a relationship before and you even remotely come close to doing something like that past relationship, look out. It's going to blow up in your face. And so the other one is when you're living together and you're bringing children from two different families together. And so all of a sudden now you guys are trying to figure out how to have a relationship as a couple and also how to raise each other's children. Well, let me tell you, 
that's not easy. And so the whole idea of when we look at a blended family, that's what in history they used to call them, and now it's more like a blending family. And in the future, I think it's going to be a not-so-blending family (laughs) (laughs) because of the serious and the difficulty that it is. And so they end up, your stepchildren, it's about relationship building. Well, consequently, if there's not a relationship there and and you as an adult think, well, what they're doing is really not right, and it may not be, but have you earned the right to say that to them? And likelihood is probably not. And so those are two main things that relationships will break up or blow up because I don't like how you're treating my children. You know I'm going to pick my children over you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of the mindset that they have. So now what? All right, number eight. Thank you for allowing me to jump down that rabbit hole. Oh, yeah, I loved it. All right, your true lover will know what to do and what to say to make you happy. Oh, that's true. Did I put enough sarcasm in there? I think you did. I was was going for really dripping. (laughs) It was definitely dripping. (laughs) Yes, you should see it, folks. It's (laughs) all over there. Sorry, I got to clean up here. (laughs) It's as if, well, he didn't think about what we I wanted last night. He must not love me. Really? <laughs> Whoops. You know, there's this whole side of men, and God bless men. I think since we are one, we can poke a little we, fun we, there. we can poke a little fun because we are one, yeah. We got to remember that we will get with the program. Husbands typically will get with the program. When the program's over? If we just know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us what the plan is. We can do it. Some of the bigger fights Sherry and I have had. Mm-hmm. have involved the fact that I cannot read minds. Yeah, and you know what? We're not supposed to. And it's kind of scary to think that our wives think they can. <laughs> What's scary is that sometimes they can. Yeah, that's why Actually, it that's is. That's maybe a little bit even scarier. Yeah, so the concept of true love, Scott, has been misunderstood for a long time. They believe their true love will know all the right things to say and things to do. Marriage is about, you know, what we've talked before. When you say I do, it's like birthing a baby. How ready when that baby comes out to know all the right words and have all the wisdom of life that they're going to need to have to exist? No, they get that. They grow over time. They learn. They get more experience. Well, that's like the marriage. You know what? You, you, You learn sometimes by trial and error, unfortunately. But if you're wise enough to learn from trial and error, you don't have to go through it again. Boy, there's the key. If you're wise enough to learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, 40 years in, I well, uh, yeah, I Sherry. All right, number yeah. nine, getting married means automatically having children. Oh, yeah, you're right. So uh, like, let's oh, see, no, you waited how long? Five years. Yeah, we were six months in. Oh, six months in. <laughs> so, uh, that, that was not our intent, but yeah, God had other plans. And, you know, I'm really glad we waited five years because it really helped us develop a foundation for our relationship and to celebrate our relationship, mm-hmm. to embrace our relationship. And what what a wonderful thing. But keep in mind also, we got a really early start, so five years didn't make us all that old. <laughs> you were out of the play, you were off the playground anyway. Well, that's right, by the yeah. way, we were in junior high now, <laughs> no. or maybe it was high school, I forget. Yeah, no, we're just kidding, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. We're not in West Virginia. <laughs> Scott at ricefmohio.com. <laughs> no, but yeah, you you also have made comments before that it's probably best as parents not to be outnumbered. 
Well, yeah, I kind of poke fun at that too. Yeah, when you're outnumbered, then you know who goes to the third child's concert or their right. game. And no, actually, we have four. And you know, when we were fostering, the, the number rose to seven, and we still tried to do all the events that we could. When I was in seminary working a seventy to eighty hour work week, we didn't miss anything. You figure it out, but it's, it's sometimes when they figure out that they have mom and dad outnumbered, then they talk behind our backs, you know, and they scheme and plan. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, yeah. um, I just you made me look something up when you said that, so I looked it up. There's now we've kind of gone from the model of two and a half kids per family right. that we might have known growing up. Uh-huh. It's now as of last year, 1.94 kids per family. Have you ever seen that point nine four child? I, well, they're always a little bit shorter and a little bit skinnier <laughs> than everybody else. They don't grow quite as fast. Yeah. Uh, but it, the idea that um, sometimes parents will say it jokingly to newlyweds. Right. Well, <clears throat> my clock's ticking here. Uh, I need grandchildren, so I'm still mm. young enough to mm-hmm. enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they say the sometimes some are say, say it jokingly. Right. Others not so much. But right. It's almost like there's an instant pressure we put on newlyweds to start thinking about a family before they're really ready for it. Uh huh. Before they've really matured enough in that birthing that marriage to be ready for kids. There's a balance between being too old to have children in being too young. It's interesting sometimes when I've seen a parent-child relationship that was conceived in adolescence. So there's like 16 years between someone who's you know 36 and their child being 20. It's really different, and but it could happen. I don't want to say that's not a, there's still help, help and hope there. But my parents, were 40 and 41 when I was born. So by the time I hit junior high, uh, you know, I'm 13. They're going on 53 and 54, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, they're they're in their early 50s, and they're starting to wind down, and you're just winding up. Yeah, exactly. And so how involved did they want to be, you know, in, in, in my world? I'm not saying it's not possible. It's just a lot more challenging. And we laughed at... Our God gave us parenting when we were young for a reason. <laughs> a real good reason. Yeah, because we have enough energy to do it. Well, they didn't have the energy to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was spent. Are children a requirement for a happy marriage? I feel like that's kind of a corollary myth to this one is that in order to have a happy marriage, you have to have kids. Not necessarily. For those who have choices, it's their choice whether they're going to have children. Just speaking from an experience standpoint, see, with Kathy and I now working on, let's see, 148. (laughs) Carry the two. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. That we are reaching a stage where if we didn't have our children, we would have a, a much greater sense of being alone. But it's wonderful that we can go and, you know, we're on the verge here pretty quick of going to Florida to hang out with our children in Florida. And, you know, we, we've teased all of our children that live in the Sun Belt that when we retire, we're going to get one of those Chevy Chase's RVs <laughs> and park them in their driveway for six weeks at a time. Yeah, and just kind of travel <laughs> travel the circuit. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll go visit your sibling for six weeks and we'll <laughs> make that circuit. <laughs> oh, yes. 
But, uh, you know, you can take your time having kids. And if you are not able to have kids, I think there's a flip side to what you were just talking about, Tom. If you're not able to have kids for whatever reason, right? you know, you don't have, don't feel like your marriage is a failure or it's unfulfilling or it's not of purpose right? because you don't have kids. There is adoption. There is just what does God want us to do then as a couple? He must have something for us as a couple. Right. To be able to do. And, you know, things like holidays are, are an example. If you don't have children, you know, how does that impact holidays? Well, maybe you get proactive and intentional and talk about family reunion or connecting or, you know, visiting nephews or siblings. Park the RV outside your siblings (laughs) (laughs) driveway. Yeah. Yes. Kids are not the end all beat all to marriage. Right. There's also that, that whole other side too of, of when you have children, but you run your marriage through it. And we're talking, you know, about the emptiness syndrome then the children go off into their own lives. Now what? It's another feeling of being alone. So. Was there a word? I, I think you shared this last week. The parent that lives through their kids. It, it was one of those big 25 cent Ohio State words. <laughs> well, vicarious is one that comes to mind. That, it was it was, it was um, enmeshment. Enmeshment. There it is. Okay. Yeah. Ah, all right. Well, and so let's talk about enmeshment. Enmeshment is where a parent does not give their child a chance at life, basically what the child, as they grow older. So we're talking, just give it some numbers, it'll make more sense. Let's say a 43-year-old mom with a 21-year-old daughter who is ready to be launched into life, but mom being alone says, no, no, I, I need you to be here to take care of me. You know, I can't do it on my own. And Or there's an incredible pull inside of the daughter to want to be there for mom and when in fact they're entitled to their own life too that doesn't mean they're going to abandon mom but their whole idea of what if if the 21 year old wanted to get married what if she wanted to have children she had a career choice and that all goes out the window just to be there for mom it's enmeshment it's it's serious because it can be very depressing what happens when mom is maybe comes down with cancer in her late 50s, early 60s. She's gone. Now here is a a 40-some-year-old that has had no life or no prep to move forward. So it becomes a very difficult situation. Right. And, And that's why we want to be aware of it. And you know what? We want to adjust, but we also want to adjust in favor of Let's not have the enmeshment going on there. Let, let's allow them to be a person. And help them grow. Yeah. All yeah. right, number 10 of the marriage myths. We've made it. Yes. Happy so, couples. I, I got I got it. Sorry, I got to really do get it. this one out. Yep. Happy couples do everything together. Oh, my gosh. That was pretty sappy. Was that sappy? That, that was I, good. I put enough on that one? <laughs> yes, that was good. <laughs> Let me wipe off the microphone. <laughs> there is no way Sherry and I would have survived almost 40 years if we did everything together. There has to be a just balance in there. One of the things we do in premarital counseling, it's called the I and the we circle. 
where the wee circle being in the middle, if you can picture it. It's just a wee little circle. It could be. And in some cases, Sorry. it. What? Well, yeah, wee wee. <laughs> sorry, I knew I was going to take us down. I, I, I'm sorry. Please continue yeah. professionally. Okay. And so then the eye circles on either side represent the husband and wife or future husband and wife. And, and so the way the exercise goes, you put in your circle as uh, the potential spouse those things that are just yours. You know, for me, that might at one time before we got married was tennis. Now it would be golf. But it has blended over into the we circle. It's so exciting that golf is in our we circle. And so there are things in in Kathy's I circle that I'm really thankful are in her (laughs) I circle and they're not mine. You know, some of the things that that she does, they're wonderful things. But they're not things that I would get excited about with some some of her love for research of family going back in history and those kinds of things. She can sew, and that's wonderful. But those those would be the kind of things that be in her eye circle. The we circle are things that we would do together. So it's really interesting when each potential marriage partner draws their perception of the eye circle. So you... You also do your what your future spouse you perceive is in their circle. You perceive what the we circle is and your circle. And to see which one's bigger and which one's smaller, which one's more overlapped, speaks volumes to what's really going on. And that can lead to a lot on the communication highway of, okay, why did you think that was a we? That's a you. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> or I wasn't aware of all the things in... in this is what you're perceiving. I'm glad we're having this conversation. But when we talk about absolutely everything, well, you know, what happens when the wife wants to go out to lunch with, you know, four ladies that maybe they've talked about it in church or maybe they want to start a ladies Bible study. They ought to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, the guys might want to play golf. (laughs) Go down the guy in the man cave downstairs and play cards. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, what I usually do, Mike, because my daughter wanted to start a singles Bible study at home for women that are younger and single, and that's kind of an area in our around our church that's a bit neglected. Mm-hmm. So Aaron thought she'd be filling a hole because she knew several. So she Friday night it is Bible study night, and if I get home during that Bible study, I put my laptop down. I don't even go in the living room. I just go upstairs mm-hmm. and I get out. I stay out of their way and like, you can come down here. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. This is the ladies Bible study time. This is not mine. I'd be outnumbered. <laughs> I'd be way outnumbered, outgunned and everything. So I just go upstairs. I turn on mash and I watch a couple episodes while they finish up. There you go. You know, yeah. and it's, I get that way. I get something of in my circle. There you go. You mash know, is in mash your is eye. In my, in my, is an eye circle. Yeah. And they get their eye circle Right. And then we come together and we have family movie night. Mm-hmm. So that's a we circle thing. There we go. And Allison picks the movie, which turns into an eye circle thing for her. And then, well, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How many times can we watch that movie over and over and over again? <laughs> right. We all know Frozen now without even having to watch the movie. Anyhow. But let's not also lose sight of the fact that if you wouldn't identify the person you're going to marry as your best friend, then there's a real strong possibility you want to consider what you're doing here because you will do a lot together. 
I love it when Kathy and I get time to do stuff together and to hang out or, or to travel together is fantastic. You know, that's the kind of thing that we want to consider. Part of the fun of marriage for me is finding out some things that are in her I circle. Right. That can come into our we circle. Yeah. If there, if there are those things that can do that. And that's where honoring comes into play. Honoring is what we do with the differences. If one of our getaways, Kathy said, you know, I really would like to go to this city because we, I wanted experience where my great relative, grand, great grandpa and whatever lived, I would honor that and honor her by doing that. And we want to pump her up with that. And that's a good thing because it's another way to express love. You know, when we may be doing a trip or uh, planning a getaway, one of the things that we learned through Hidden Keys to Loving Relationships, which was Gary Smalley's basic fundamentals of relationships, he would say this, that on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the greatest, what would be a 10 for you on this trip? And then both marriage partners would say it. And then the goal becomes that we make sure both 10s are done. And so then you get to find out more about your marriage partner. And that can really help. And as the marriage goes on, it get, that can get to be more and more fun. Yeah. All right. So there they are, the top 10 marriage myths on the session. And maybe you have some of these myths that are actually active in your marriage, and you'd like to maybe debunk the myth and get yeah. them out of your marriage. <laughs> Sitting down with a Christian counselor could be helpful to do that. And how can they start a conversation with Tom Russell? I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. 